Welcome in to the Blitz and Bucket podcast. As always, it is your host, Kane Schwartz, and my fellow co-host is with me, Jaden Kozak. Jaden, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you, you doing? Want to, you want to try getting a wisecrack in about the weather or something? I mean, we're hitting a cold front coming in. <laughs> it's going to be really hot on Thursday, I believe. But I think it'd be great if we just transitioned to just weather. Yeah. Maybe people, maybe uh, people would like that. Oh, weather sports podcast. We got to think of like some cool, like alliteration. We had blitz and buckets. We got to think of like weather and weather storms and snow. I don't know. Oh, storms and snow. Keep an eye out for the storms Uh, and snow podcast. Just a little black screen with eyeball emojis. Just comes on our story. (laughs) It's our next adventure. So I'm talking. Shout out to Mitchell for uh, making fun of me for always bringing up the weather. And I won't I won't do it anymore. So thanks, Mitchell. <laughs> With that, let's get into the football content we got today. And we are going to dive into the AFC East today. But before we take a deep dive, we did have some breaking news today. Julio Jones, one of the premier wide receivers in the NFL, obviously unhappy in Atlanta. They haven't been winning. And he, Adam Schefter reported that he requested a trade, I believe it was back in March, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, but today, Shannon Sharp, a host with Skip Bayless on the Undisputed Show on, I think that's Fox or something. Yeah. But Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones in the middle of the podcast, or not the podcast, the show. And he calls him, and I don't, I, what did he even say? He was like, are you going to be an Atlanta Falcon or are you going to play for the Cowboys? Yeah, he said, he said, are you going to be a Cowboy? And he was like, or he said, are you going to play for the Falcons or the Cowboys or what are you doing? And he was like, no, I'm out of there. And then he yeah. proceeded to say something along the lines of, but I'm definitely not playing for the Cowboys. Right. Um, so that rules the Cowboys out, but it also rules out the Falcons, which is right. you know, pretty yeah. big news. It was the first official word from Julio himself that he was not going to be returning to Atlanta. So I'm out at like, and there's been some debate whether he knew if he was on the phone call and that could be left up for debate. But personally, I don't think he knew it was, it was very off the cuff. It didn't sound like he knew he was live. And then once he realized he was live, he changed his whole tone and was very professional, but he quoted, I'm out of there. So what's the first team that comes to mind for Julio? Uh, For me, first team that comes to mind as a Steelers fan with a lot of Ravens friends, it has to be the Ravens as like a team that I feel like could make the move for him. But I've heard the Chiefs a lot. Uh, I've heard New England. I've heard the Raiders. I can't remember who Vegas, like Vegas uh, sportsbook and stuff had. The Titans were in there too. Yeah, the Titans were in there. And the Cardinals, Hopkins with the – a little recruiting again. Yep. Like Jalen Ramsey. Green. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey is another one. So, I mean, there are a lot of – obviously, there are a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Julio, any team that needs a receiver, especially right. when you're a team that's in win-now mode like the Rams, the Cardinals, the Ravens. These teams are – I feel like it's worth – like, I'm, I, I don't understand why people don't give him value. Like, I know that he's had injury problems, but when he's playing, he's a top-five receiver when he's on the field. Right. And, and if he has so much respect across the league. Like, oh, yeah. Everybody says corners, wide receivers alike. They're like, this is who I looked up to. Like, this yeah. guy, 
can still produce. He's still one of the best receivers in the game. And if you're like the Ravens, who you addressed wide receiver, like you you got Bateman, you got Sammy Watkins, if you want to call that addressing the receiver position, <laughs> it's it's not Julio Jones. So if you are really going all in this year, it will be very smart for them to do that with this being the last year of Lamar's rookie contract. You're not going to have a whole lot of time to go out or not a whole lot of money to go out and get big name receivers with big money anymore. Sure. Same thing with the Rams. The Rams are already strapped for cap and the Cardinals were one of the teams that really needed a receiver. And I feel like didn't address it when they should have like took Rondo more like that's, an okay pick, but do you feel confident about him being your number two wide receiver next year? But say you had Julio, now you have the best one-two punch at receiver maybe ever. Like you're looking into like Randy Moss, Chris Carter, towards the, like the end of Chris Carter days. Like that right. is a really, Randy Moss, really New good, England. Yeah, like that is a really, really good wide receiver combo, the two yeah. of them. And that makes right. that Cardinals offense very dangerous. Yeah. Definitely. I'm looking forward to see how it shakes out, whatever team he goes to. I mean, I'm not going to say automatically a contender, but he wants to go to a winning team. He said that he wants to win. So wherever he's going to go, pretty much automatically a contender. So with that, let's get into the AFC East. And we start today with the New York Jets, the the NFL's finest. Yeah. They finished with a 2-14 record. And they lost 13 games in a row before finishing two and three with wins against the Rams and the Browns. But they did lose the number one pick because of that. Was it worth it? No. Winning those games was not worth it. And Jets fans were absolutely in, up in arms about it. But that's life in the NFL, baby. They ended up sliding into number two. But let's recap some more of the year. They were top 12 rushing defense. They still got Quentin Williams there, one of the better young defensive tackles in the game. Finished with seven sacks. But they were bottom five passing defense, and they were bottom two passing offense. But I want to say something interesting. Well, let's cover Sam Darnold first. Obviously, he's out of town, but had a – mediocre year but I think there's a lot to be discovered there like obviously that's not Darnold's potential he ended up finishing with 2,208 yards passing nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions in 12 games because he didn't play every game you know who did play some games Joe Flacco 864 yards six touchdowns and three interceptions and the reason I mentioned Joe Flacco is for any of you who listened to the pod last week we had a debate on well a debate on whether Lamar was a true passer and I mentioned that the only team that passed for more was the Jets and it's funny because Joe Flacco is the reason that the Ravens finished last in passing because it was like a 300 yard difference and Joe Flacco I mean he's coming back and punishing the Baltimore fan base I'm all for it Anyway, they do have some promise on the receiving side. They got Jamison Crowder, who I think there's a lot to be discovered there. He finished with 699 yards and six touchdowns in 12 games before getting injured. And he had 59 catches, which was a whole 22 catches more than the next closest guy. 
So, and he didn't even, the next closest guy was Barrios and he played all 16 games. So Crowder was basically the only passing option there. And as far as the rushing game, they're middle of the pack. You got Frank Gore really just stumbling along now. Like, I can't believe that man is still in the league, but all the credit to him. He was the lead back in New York, which not a lot of people expected. Curious. Would you see Frank Gore making it into the Hall of Fame? I feel like there's no way he doesn't. As far as, like, prime goes, he's not talked about very highly with, you know, like the Barry Sanders, the Emmett Smiths, the Walter Paytons. He's never really talked about in that breath. No, he shouldn't be. Yeah, because he was never that talented. But the longevity is impressive, and you can't take away from that. So I feel like – running back, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I I think – I don't think it'll be first ballot. I think it may take him, you know, a year or two to get in, but I think ultimately he will end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now the other running backs in New York, you got Ty Johnson who had a decent year. He's a former Terp. We love to see the Terps thriving in the NFL. And they also got LaMichael P. Ryan, who was a fourth round pick in 2020. And he averaged more than four, uh, five yards of carry in his junior and senior year at Florida. And There's been a lot of talk I've seen on Twitter about Jets fans wanting more LaMichael P. Ryan. Like, they want to see him play because they think he has a lot of potential. But it's sad. Like, you have a lot of potential in a fourth-round pick. Like, oh, that's a bummer. But a lot of people want to see him play, and he's got a great chance to do it this coming year. So, with the recap of the mediocre 2020 season of the Jets, we go into the offseason and we'll start with the more notable section, which was the draft. They ended up getting the number two pick, as I mentioned, and they take Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. And what are your thoughts on the pick? I mean, pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence is gone at one. Zach Wilson gives you the most at two. I don't know how well he's going to be able to perform because it feels like the Jets have just been a purgatory for quarterbacks over the last, you know, and dare I say since like Sanchez, like, yeah. And I, I don't know if he's exactly in the greatest situation to succeed. Like he's got Crowder, who's a solid slot receiver. They picked up Elijah Moore in the draft later on. They also signed Corey Davis. You know, they've got Becton there. Vera Tucker was kind of a weird pick because, you know, he very well could have been available at 23 because they did use the Seattle pick that they got for Jamal Adams to tr- and traded up to 14 to get Vera Tucker, which was eh, in my book. But I do like Zach Wilson there. I do like Zach Wilson. I don't know if I like Zach Wilson there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you like you can like any quarterback. In yeah. New York, like it's I would have liked, Tra- I would have liked Trevor Lawrence there, obviously, because yeah. then I feel like when you get Trevor Lawrence, when you get the guy like that, that's been the number one pick for, you know, two, three years, everybody's like, okay, we've got this, like, it was almost like conveniently with the Knicks when they were, you know, supposed to get Zion. Then all these rumors start tumbling. Will Katie and Kyrie go to join them in Zion in New York like if Trevor Lawrence is there I feel like you get more attention from free agents then you feel pressure to build a team especially when you have the number one overall pick who you think can be a day one impact you feel pressure to you know maybe we can build a playoff team this year like we don't have to continue to wait like we have in the past 
Right. I mean, like you can't really, they, they had a solid draft. Like I, I think Vera Tucker, obviously a weird pick. I agree, but he's one of the better offensive linemen in the drafts. So can't really go wrong. And Elijah Moore, he was rated as one of the better receivers in that draft. And a lot of people were surprised that he fell out of the first round, fell to number 34 and the Jets up and end up taking him. So Overall, pretty solid draft. You can't do much better than that. But we will see how Zach Wilson does with the amazing New York Jets. He also seems to be a player's like within the locker room. They Jets seem to like him. Like, yeah, players on the team seem to like him. So, did you see the video? It was hilarious. It was a. Uh, it was Zach with a bunch of other like a bunch of the other pro like draftees like before the draft. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was like, they start throwing up gang signs and stuff. And he was like, obviously nervous. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He's so, yeah. he, He's he was definitely kid. not ready for that picture. Yeah, no. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But let's recap some of the offseason free agency stuff for the Jets. They hired a new head coach, Robert Sala, who has gotten a lot of praise, one of the better ran one of the better defenses in San Francisco. So I think that's a solid hire. I think he was one of the better candidates out there. So I see him doing better than anybody else has in New York. So, and on the free agency side, didn't lose a lot, but they had a pretty notable addition section. They had, they had a Carl Lawson, the defense Ben out of Cincinnati for, Three years, forty-five million. They ended up adding Corey Davis, as we mentioned earlier, out of Tennessee. Three years, thirty-seven and a half million. And they also added Keelan Cole, one year, five and a half million. And Keelan Cole, like he's obviously not a premier guy, but he definitely showed flashes of a lot of potential in Jacksonville. And if you're signing a guy for five and a half million dollars, that that's a bit like for a year. That's a significant one-year contract for a guy like Keelan Cole. So yeah. they must have some kind of faith in him. And they also added on the more minor side, Tyler Croft at a Buffalo one year, $2 million. So with that, what's the outlook on the Jets, man? So the way I'm thinking about it, it's all on Zach Wilson. Like, yeah. I wouldn't say more than any other quarterback in the league, but how far or how good he is, really is going to affect their record because if he is like if he comes out and struggles and is like really really not good like not like historically bad but just not good they could win one to two games again like they could be picking at the exactly. very top of the draft i again. think that's i feel floor. like i feel like they're like bear tucker doesn't make a whole lot of impact obviously as an offensive lineman he's not going to make that much impact carl lawson's a solid signing Corey yeah. davis is a solid signing but mm -hmm. Carl Lawson's not going to change your defense. Corey Davis isn't going to change your offense. It's all on Zach Wilson. So if he is not so great, they could very well be a two-win team again. If I he's agree. really, really good, like if he has like a Herbert where like nobody's really talking about him, kind of like how it was with Herbert last year, and mm -hmm. he comes in and does great, you know, and is even just a candidate for rookie of the year, I think they could win maybe five, six games because they are in a division where – you know, the Bills are going to yeah. be one of the top teams. In the and they weren't offense. as talented as the Chargers team was. Oh, like, no. 
Like they don't have the pieces. Not even like not even close. Like I could go position by position. The Chargers are going to win seventy five percent. But you know you're you got to play New England twice a year. You've got to play the Dolphins twice a year, and you got to play the Bills twice a year. It's a bummer. It, it, it could be it could be another very Jets season. Yeah, be a very grim season for the Jets yeah. again. I don't think you can expect anything more if you're a Jets fan. Like you just got to trust the process. Give Zach Wilson a couple years. Don't ditch on him like you did Darnold, and see what happens. You know. So with that, let's move on from the New York Jets, and now we've got the Patriots who finished seven and nine. And I guess we talked about it. I mean, many, many pods ago, but a little bit of the theory that Bill Belichick, maybe not so much. I mean, he had a terrible roster, but maybe not so much contributing to the success in new England as Tom Brady did. You know, I think it was a little evident, but they've definitely got some peace this year. So maybe Belichick can prove it this year, but Let's get into the highlights of 2020 for the New England Patriots. There was some mediocrity out of Cam Newton. Personally, I thought going into the year now, my podcasting, accurate, well, well-rounded well mind thought that he was not going to win MVP. But I'm a huge Cam Newton fan. And I was like, I I think like with all the like Instagram videos that were coming out, like he looked so ready. And I was like, he could, he could mess around and win MVP, but he did not. He didn't even come close. He finished with 2,657 yards passing, eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions in 15 games. But obviously you're going to get the solid rushing stats out of him. What? <laughs> so you like Cam Newton. And he is a horrible passer. Way worse than Lamar. But I, yeah, like Cam Newton can't, like Cam Newton, okay. Cam Newton I'm also, nowadays, Cam Newton nowadays, like, is not a good passer. But you take him at Lamar's point in his career, like, at that age, he had a cannon. And he, he was one so of the better passers. I'm not doing this again. I am one of the only people. You're telling me that Cam in his prime was not as good of a passer as Lamar is? I think it's Ooh. close. I oh, my God. I think it's it's very close, if not Lamar's a better passer. But we're not doing that right now okay. because we've right. gone on like tired, eight straight podcasts yeah. where Lamar's had a five-minute section. Yeah. Maybe we should get him on one day. That. No, great, I don't want right? to see him. No. I've got so much slander against him, man. But so Kane, I uh, <laughs> I, heard, I watched the last episode. But I'm one of the only people on earth that I feel like one of the only people on earth that isn't a Cam Newton fan. I I don't like. I get the appeal. He's a running quarterback. He's a big dude. But I just I'm I'm not a Cam Newton fan. Everyone else is except for me. I don't get it. I just like. He was put when I just started to get like seriously into football, like he was the first guy that like the first big quarterback prospect, you know, out of Auburn. And like that as those were some of like that was early on in my football watching career. And I was just like, this guy is something else. So I, I kind of grew up with him in football almost. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Cam Newton. And I wish him the best this year. He'll get another opportunity. But let's move on from Cam Newton. Well, I did want to mention 
12 touchdowns rushing. That's pretty. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's extremely impressive. I, after watching, because I had him on my fantasy team for the first two to three weeks, which is I, I traded him right as the drop, the steep <laughs> like drop off happened. But watching the games, dude, I thought Belichick's plan was literally just to work the hell out of him and then just let him walk. Yeah. After one year, I thought they, I, I thought that there was a higher chance of him being a fullback by week 17 than him <laughs> actually having like a productive passing season. Just the way that they were using him was literally just him get the ball and run in between the center and the right guard for like two, three straight plays. They might have been better off with that, honestly. Yeah. But 12 touchdowns and 592 yards. That's only 99 yards less than the main back in New England, Damien. Yeah. So impressive rushing stats out of that. But definitely hoping for a more of a passing renaissance this year. And we could see it because you got the emergence of some younger guys, really solid receiver, Jacoby Myers, 24 years old, really off the map before this year. Nobody had any had really any idea who he was. I didn't have any idea who he was, but. He finishes as Cam's most liked receiver with 59 catches and 729 yards. Can you see Jacoby Myers like being productive consistently for the rest of his career? I mean, after one season, I can't really say much about the rest of his career, but there wasn't a whole lot to, for Cam Newton to like. So I right. totally understand giving you know the guy that shows some promise the ball every once in a while because there really was nothing there for him yeah so i mean Agreed. maybe he ends up being pretty solid for them but who knows because you know it could be mac jones by the end of this season and you don't know who his guys are going to be so right exactly i mean you'll probably hit the younger guys but i don't know like you said it's only one year so we'll see but also, another young guy who had a lot of promise, the lead back that I was just talking about, Damian Harris, baby. 24 years old, 137 carries, 691 yards, and only two touchdowns, but that's because Cam Newton vultured every rushing touchdown that he could have gotten. But a young guy that really nobody had the same thing with Jacoby Myers. Like, nobody really knew who he was. And he emerges as a pretty solid everyday back, like not – fantastic but signs of promise you know but I did want to talk about Sony Michelle in 2020 in 2020 he finished with 79 carries 449 yards and only one touchdown do you think we'll see more of Sony Michelle in 2021 or do you think it's pretty dismal going forward I think it's going to be pretty quiet for Sony Michelle moving forward you got the younger back and Damian Harris you know, maybe they do kind of a two back thing, but I think Sonny Michelle's days of being like a premier back for like fantasy, for example, pretty much over. Yeah. I, it's just like, I, I thought that Sonny Michelle was the stop coming out of Georgia. Like yeah. I thought he was really good. And it is, I mean, if anybody's going to know who a good running back is or a good football player in general, it's Bill Belichick. So there's a reason they're not playing him. And he's obviously injury prone. So I think Sonny Michelle is due for a pretty quiet career going forward, which is pretty sad. But like I said, that's life in the NFL, baby. But also want to mention 
New England had a pretty impressive secondary in 2020. They were the eighth best passing defense. They were tied for the most interceptions of any defense in the league. And one of the most shining players on that defense in that secondary was the Terp, J.C. Jackson, man. A Terp. He a Terp indeed. Second most interceptions in the league with nine. And he had 14 pass defenses, which led the team. So, and he's a young guy. So probably going to be one of the better corners in the league going forward, which is exciting. Love to see it. And you got a lot of guys on that secondary returning. You got Gilly, Stephon Gilmore coming back. You got Adrian Phillips, who had eight tackles for losses, led the team. Got Devin McCourty, classic veteran presence, and Jonathan Jones returning too. So they're maintaining a lot of that secondary together, which proved to be pretty efficient in 2020. So moving on to the most notable piece of information for the New England Patriots, which was the historic free agency we saw. They had that first day that they started signing everybody. I mean, I've never seen anything like that, like ever in free agency since I've been into football. Like that was absolutely insane. So let's get into it. They added Matt Judon, outside linebacker from Baltimore, on a four-year, $54.5 million contract. They signed Jonu Smith on a four-year, $50 million contract. And they signed Hunter Henry, three years, $37.5 million. Now, do you think this is – I mean, it's pretty obvious to me, but is this the return of the two tight end set in New England? I mean, it has to be. God, I would. I'd hope you wouldn't give thirty-seven and a half million dollars to your backup tight end in the same <laughs> offseason that you just gave fifty million dollars to another one. But I think the two tight end set will be very good for them because their tight ends have been probably the worst in the league ever since Gronk left. And you know, a two tight end, you know, short to intermediate game for those two with Cam Newton fits Cam Newton very well. Yeah, that should help him produced a little bit more right do you think they can be as efficient as Gronk and Hernandez were back in the day I'm gonna say no because Gronk was the best tight end ever yeah and there's no uh, Tom Brady (laughs) yeah also that but I think it's a if any if a two tight end set is going to operate efficiently in any offense. It's going to be a Bill Belichick offense. And like you were saying with Cam Newton, the tight end is the most accessible target that there is. So those guys are going to get a lot of action, but we're not done. We got Jalen Mills also signing contract safety out of Philadelphia for four years, $24 million, which adds to that already impressive secondary. And then on the receiving side, they added Nelson Aguilar from Las Vegas Two years, $22 million. And they added Kendrick Bourne out of San Fran for three years, $15 million. Uh, I'm definitely more of a fan of Kendrick Bourne than I am Nelson Aguilar. What are your thoughts? I mean, to be completely honest, I'm a fan of neither. Yeah. Because, you know, you go out and make all these big splashes. And, I mean, I'll let you finish on, you know, who all they signed. But neither one of those receivers changes their offensive outlook for me. I don't think I'm, I'm not confident in either one of them, nor any of the receivers that they have on roster right now, confidently be like, okay, that's my wide receiver one. Like right. I I'm t- petrified if I have to make that decision. Yeah. 
I mean, Nelson Aguilar has been mediocre for his entire career. I mean, he was yeah. not even mediocre. In yeah, he, he was, was terrible. A, yeah. Like, there were memes going around. Like, he couldn't. Aguilar won't catch the damn ball. <laughs> yeah. So, it had something to do with the fire, right? Like, he yeah. couldn't catch. I don't even know what he said. But it was definitely some serious Nelson Aguilar slander. But Kendrick Bourne. I feel like there's more promise there, but I agree a lot with you. Like it's, there's no clear cut number one wide receiver there. Yeah. But that's why you get two of the best tight ends in the league in free agency. So, and to wrap things up, they brought back Kyle Van Noy from Miami on a two year, $12 million deal, just a vet. And it's good to see him returning and possibly retiring with new England. So and on the notable losses side, just one, uh, Joe Tooney, obviously one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He signs a five-year, $80 million deal with KC. But you hate to see a guy like that leave any offense. Another, another very, very notable ad. In fact, the only one that I'd say was a great ad for New England was Trent Brown. Getting him, he's you know one right. of the better young tackles in football. Mm-hmm. And they got him for like dirt cheap. Yeah. So great. Right. And they got him back because he was there earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. But very good. Like that move. Solid. Solid. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard not to give. I almost like Cleveland's offseason a little better, but it's hard not to look at this and be like, that's a pretty solid offseason. It's very quantity over quality for me yeah, i don't think there's a single true. signing on the list where i'm like that's an a that's an a not even in like some of them i have yeah. struggles giving a b like algalore that's a c born yep. probably a d calvin noise a b jalen mills i like jalen mills that's probably a b john who's a b hunter henry's a b judon's a b like yeah. i'm not crazy i'm it's not very shocked. like yeah. everybody's like whoa, they've signed this guy and now they got this guy and this guy, but none of them are like good. Yeah. And you sign them all the long-term deals too. These are not one-year deals. Yeah. Without, and they did this all before quarterback was addressed. So very risky. I mean, Belichick's betting on himself. And one thing that I do want to point out is that part of the reason why they did not have the greatest year last year, they had a lot of COVID opt-outs. They had, you know, Cam Newton missing games due to COVID, but like guys that were with them and then training camps just like pulled the rug out from under them, didn't play. And also their best player, Stefan Gilmore, there were, you know, rumblings of him getting traded at the deadline. So Not maybe this didn't year, have that great of a season. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the typical best corner in the league, Stefan Gilmore that we're used to seeing was not there last year. Yeah, but I mean, he got outplayed by another corner on his team. But the terror, we'll def- the terror. Yes, yes. But we'll definitely be able to see what you know he's able to do this year, or the team as a whole is able to do this year. You know. But yeah. Cam Newton, or which leads me a nice segue into the next conversation. You're we welcome. got the recap of the draft. Could be. Mac Jones this year, like obviously he's not going to start the year, but could see him later on the year. I personally am not a huge Mac Jones guy. I think I see a lot of AJ McCarron in Mac Jones, uh, a less mobile AJ McCarron. Like obviously he's got more of an arm strength and 
he's more an accurate passer, but he can't move. He's like a Big Ben at best. I mean, though. Okay, that was not slander. Big Ben, Super Bowl winning quarterback. A Hall of Fame quarterback, like at best, he's all. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking like right now, Ben. Well, that's not his potential. But like I said, the guy can't move. And out of all the attractive quarterback prospects, I mean, he did fall to them. But obviously, I like Trey Lance a lot better. Obviously, I like Justin Fields a lot better. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot better, obviously, but I like Zach Wilson a whole lot better. Like, I mean, definitely the last guy in the first round, the least impressive quarterback in the first round. What are your thoughts? So I don't like Mac Jones as a player, but I do like him to New England. I think if he could succeed anywhere, it would be here. He's coming into something that his skill set is very based around or was based around just a year ago. So he's got a very quick processor, which, you know, is something that they had a little bit of success with before for the last 20 ish years, but you know, he can't move. His arm isn't the biggest. It's not the smallest, but he, I mean, say he's got an average ish arm, but are you talking about the physical size of his arm? Cause that's I mean, what it sounded like. I've, when I <laughs> did the little wraparound <laughs> tape over his arm, it was just meh. Yeah. Seen, I've measured bigger arms, but <laughs> If there was any team, I, I honestly think that if he didn't go to New England at 15 or if he didn't go to New England at all, he might have slipped out of the first round mm-hmm. because he's really like Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but I just feel like the need for quarterback from these teams like, say, Washington, there are so many quarterbacks hitting the market. You don't want to tie yourself down with Mac Jones right. unless you're in New England where you're kind of cap strapped after the offseason you just had. Yeah, but it gives him a it gives him a young quarterback on a rookie contract with all these pieces they've reloaded and. But yeah, if anybody's going to take in a quarterback, a young guy that's not super developed. I mean, he's almost you see it. You don't see a lot of Tom Brady in this game, but he's like as far as like the classic just run in the mill quarterback. If anybody's going to make that guy great, it's Bill Belichick. So. Also wanted to mention, they ended up bringing in Christian Barrymore out of Alabama, who was one of the best defensive tackles in the league or in the draft. And the reason they fell, I think it was character issues, right? Like, well, they had they had character issues as one. And then, like, even though it wasn't a deep defensive tackle class for him being far and away the best defensive tackle, I don't know why he fell so far. But Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are about as two close of friends as you're going to find in the football world. Nick Saban's not going to lie to Bill Belichick about his character issues. If you know, it comes down to it and he's asking questions about him, his character, Nick Saban's not going to lie to him. Right. So, and I think that, I think they know they have him. Yeah. yeah. Obviously the talent's there. So if you take the character issues out of it, great football player and a great steal at number 38. So with that, let's get into a quick outlook for the New England Patriots this coming season. And what you got, man? Uh, it it really all depends on who they have at quarterback because this roster is yeah, kind of loaded, I guess, air quotes, loaded. But in a, in a very different way, it all depends on the quarterback the same way it did with the Jets. But this is because the team is good and – if the quarterback play isn't good, you're going to see a lot of what you saw last year of, you know, they're getting right there, but 
quarterback can't finish the game, quarterback can't score enough points. You know, Damian Harris is a good running back, but he's not going to, you know, Derrick Henry his way to wins. No. Their offensive line is one of the best in football. I, we didn't really mention that, but it is probably one of the better, if not towards the top in football. Mm-hmm. But the weapons area outside of tight end is very slim for a quarterback that is definitely not in the bottom four. half. Yeah. yeah. And definitely in the bottom half. The defense is, you know, going to be probably top five, but mm-hmm. it's just going to, it's just going to come down to how much can Cam Newton slash Mac Jones do to help them win football games. So floor, I'd probably say six, seven mm-hmm. wins ceiling. I'd, Probably they don't do any like, worse than they did this past year. Yeah, yeah. Like they, you can't get much worse than you did. Not like saying that they were that bad, but you can't get worse when you made all these new additions. But I say floor probably six, seven wins, ceiling. Mm-hmm. I can't see them going any higher than 10, 10. or 11. I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. say you, 11's a lot. Like, I don't even yeah. see them. Yeah. Like, 10 games is what I would put the ceiling at. So. With that, let's get into some of the better teams in the division. Not, no disrespect there, but you know, you saw the results. But let's get to the Miami Dolphins, who finished with a 10 and 6 record, which was pretty impressive, but it was not good enough to make the playoffs. Barely, barely. It was a really close race at the end there. But still, really solid record at 10 and 6. And some of the highlights from the season, it was two time, man. Tua Tagovailoa making it's time. That's true. It was Fitz time at the beginning of the year, but all too often it was Fitz time. Actually, all too often. Don't throw it. That's my quarterback. <laughs> That's my quarterback. Don't what? throw slander. <laughs> There's no Ryan Fitzpatrick slander in here, dude. But it ended up Ryan Fitzpatrick had honestly a pretty solid year, like for the games that he played. Like he was pretty solid, and it was a debatable move them putting in Tua, but they did it anyway, and they ended up being fine. He didn't have that great off-the-chart stats, but he wasn't terrible. 1,000 yards, 814, 11 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So nothing that's going to jump off the page there, but that's a long future he's got ahead of him. And with his supporting crew, you got a lot of promise. You got a breakout season finally from Devontae Parker. Like this guy came out of Louisville. He was one of the highly touted rookies in his class. And there were projections that were kept projecting him, especially in fantasy. Like they kept projecting him to be one like, oh, this is going to be his breakout year. This is going to be his breakout year. And eventually people were like, okay, maybe he's just not good. But he finally had that breakout year and he finished with 63 catches, 793 yards, four touchdowns and hundred targets, hundred targets. That's a lot. And also complimenting Devonte Parker at the tight end position. You got promise in Mike Jacecki who finished with 53 catches, 703 yards and six touchdowns. So pretty solid receiving weapons there. A little future there. And you also got a future in miles Gaskin who finished with 142 carries, 584 yards, and three touchdowns. And he's also a threat in the receiving game. 41 catches, 388 yards, and two touchdowns. Do you think Miles Gaskin could be the running back of the future for Miami? 
I think he's like okay. You think he's legit? I th- I think he'll be good at, he'll be a serviceable starter for them next year. I'm not saying that if, you know, say they really had their eyes on like ETN or one of those guys that they should have definitely passed up on him because they have Miles Gaskin. He's a he's a serviceable guy. He's going to give you, you know, solid 70 80 yards a game just enough to get you by. He's right. not going to win you games. But, you know, if they want to transition to a team, you know, that's going to hang their hat on defense and, you know, try and ground and pound, then maybe they do want to transition to a running back because I don't think he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But what's really attractive, like, the league is transitioning, at least I feel like. Like, it's more you got – you can get more out of a receiving back. Oh, yeah. Than you could before. And Definitely. Not a lot of guys – I mean – there's a decent, not a lot of guys can do both those things well, rushing and receiving as a running back. And he did pretty well in both of them. So, and he's still a young guy. So I think, I think there's a lot of promise there. Is he the running back of the future? We'll see, but definitely a solid season in 2020. Also a solid season in 2020 for the Dolphins, the defense, they allowed the sixth least points in the league. And leading the charge on that defense was the cornerback, Xavier Howard, led the league in interceptions with 10, and he finished second in pass defenses with 20. Do you think Xavier Howard is a staple cornerback going forward in this league? I'd say because it felt like this was all like, whoa, where did he come from? Like he's been a good corner for the last few years, but he hasn't been a, you know, top of the league, all pro corner like he was this year so do I think that he's like top two or three probably not but I can't I can't say he didn't have a great season because he did yeah I think I mean I think he will be if you're leading the league in interceptions you're bound to be a pretty solid corner going forward and alongside him you got Byron Jones also coming back and Byron Jones obviously always been a really solid corner in the league so defense looking pretty solid going forward and let's move on to the free agency. They added Will Fuller, wide receiver out of Houston, for one year, $10.6 million. And a lot of people are fans of Will Fuller. The only knock on him is that he has yet to play a full season in the league. Do you think his injury proneness is a problem going forward, or do you think we'll finally see Will Fuller unleashed? I mean, I think on a one-year deal, the injury yeah. – wasn't you know that big of a concern in their minds i mean obviously it was if they wanted to give him a one-year deal but now that they have him on a one-year deal that's just going to be something that they're not as worried about but i do like i make a joke that like one of the best players in the nfl is week two will fuller because right after that huge like 16 catch 250 yard game he's either hurt or doesn't get a target but i i think he'll be good i don't like the Waddle pick, but obviously we'll get there, especially after that. But it's an okay signing. Like it's yeah, yeah. One year. I mean, ago, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think if he can stay healthy, he could be like a serious threat in the league. But that's the big knock on him. So they also brought in Jacoby Brissett, Brissett on a one-year, five million dollar deal, backup quarterback, just solid vet. And they also brought in Malcolm Brown, running back out of L.A. 
played kind of split carries with Daryl Henderson and bringing him in on a one year, $1.75 million contract. So that's more to replace Matt Burita who they lost and just back up running back. So on the notable losses side, now help me out with this Devon. Good show. God God show. Pretty sure. Cause like the AUX is like chow. Like, yeah. Or no, is it Cho? I think it's, I think it's show. Like Davon. French. Yeah. Davon. Davon. <laughs> they lost Davon in the off season to new England, two years, $15 million. They ended up losing Kyle Van Noy too. mentioned him earlier and they lost Fitzy, but obviously you're bringing in Brissett to kind of replace that backup role. And like I mentioned earlier, you lost Matt Burita, ended up going to Buffalo on a one-year, $1 million deal. But nothing too major on the losses side. But in the draft, they had a pretty darn solid draft. They bring in, in my opinion, they bring in Jalen Waddle, one of the most talented athletic people in the draft, like just gifted, you know, like a Tyree Kill type. Bring him in, wide receiver at Alabama, what do you think? I heard you have some hesitation earlier. I don't like it at six. Like you, you could have got your franchise. I mean, Soul. generational talent. You could have got Sewell. He yeah. was right there. Like it fell how you wanted it to. You know, the Bengals didn't take him. Sewell sitting right there. You can get a burner later. Like what, what role does he have now? Is he just going to be like a catch and run guy? Because you're obviously going to start Will Fuller and Devontae Parker over him, at least to start the season. If Jalen Waddle, you know, begins to prove that he deserves that spot, they'll obviously give it to him. But I just think as a team that you were gifted, not gifted, but not many teams that were a game away from the playoffs get to pick at six. Yeah. Nope. You don't get to make that kind of improvement and to waste it on a receiver where you've already got solid depth. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't like it. But I do like Jalen. They must Phillips. have thought a lot about it. Like they must yeah, have thought oh, yeah. a lot about him if they took him. Because obviously they were thinking about Sewell. But yeah. in a lot of people's minds, like I said, and in some people, he was the best player in the draft. Jalen Water was. Like some experts. I think Mel Kuyper oh, had him like geez. in the top three. But I've I've saw like mock drafts like the day before the draft. I've I saw Jalen Waddle like falling out the top ten. Just yeah. like because uh, guys like that burn out. They can burn out in the league. Yeah. Like, really fast guys. Look at John Ross. Because, I mean, it's one, it's, it's, he's extremely one-dimensional. Like, he, yeah. can, he can move. He's pretty agile, but you're looking at him for his speed. That's right. pretty much it. But I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's not the pick I would have made. I would have definitely taken Sewell. You get to solidify left tackle. You move Austin Jackson over to right. Move uh, the right tackle they have now. I can't. I'm blanking on his name, but you move him into right guard, improves your whole offensive line, gives to a, you know, the line that would help him continue to flourish as a young quarterback. I don't know if Waddle was the pick. Just not a fan. I'll take, but I heard you mention him earlier. At pick number 18, they take Jalen Phillips, one of the best defensive ends in the draft. Mel Kuyper's number one defensive end. What are the thoughts there? So I was like, because – the Ravens were obviously in need of pass rush. So I was talking to Caden about it and I would like, be like, I really don't know about that because, you know, he's had, he was, you know, he had medically been retired due to 
concussion issues and he came back out. But the ability that the Dolphins have to go down the street to Miami and go talk to their guys, go talk to their medical staff that not a lot of teams have due to COVID gives me enough confidence that, you know, again, they're another team like you've got to get this pick right because you are a you are a legitimate playoff contender this year. So you mm-hmm. don't want to you don't want to screw this pick up. But like if he was healthy, he would probably have been a top eight pick in the draft like he is that good he's the highest rated edge rusher by a lot it's just the injury concerns held him back on big boards and stuff like that so it's an okay pick it's extremely risky it's very similar to the Caleb Farley pick that was made a little bit later where like he was obviously the best guy at that position but then the injury problems made him slide so adding him if you slide him into that defense though he should be able to thrive as long as he's on the field yeah Definitely agree. And also want to mention pick number 36, they bring in Javon Holland, safety out of Oregon, who was also a pretty solid pick. Mel Kuyper's number two safety in the draft. So I think that's a pretty solid draft out of Miami. Like to see, yeah, but obviously there's a debate over Sewell model, but pretty solid overall. So what's your outlook, ceiling floor for the Dolphins? So I'm doing this again. <laughs> this... <laughs> So the Jets were, it's all on the quarterback because they're horrible. The Patriots, it's all on them because the roster around them is pretty solid. The roster around Tua is very good. He has a solid running back, good receivers, good tight end, solid line, great defense. That team goes as far as Tua takes him. Also, we there was a rumor today, Rappaport brought it up on the Pat McAfee show of a trade that would send Tua to Pittsburgh for a first round pick. And then that first round pick along with the two first round picks that they got from San Francisco to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers, which would completely change the outlook of this team. Because if you put Aaron Rodgers there, instead of to attack by Loa, I'm looking at them as one of the two or three favorites in the AFC. Yeah. But as of right now, they do not have Aaron Rodgers and they have Tua. And that is why I'm probably going to put the floor at like six, seven wins. The ceiling though could very well be like, 12, 13. Yeah. I, 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 I think it might even be better. Than, I'm leaning towards floor because I'm not a believer in Tua, which is why I did not show very much enthusiasm when just explaining that trade proposal to you. <laughs> that that would be one of the biggest trades in NFL history. Like That would be like a – I mean, obviously when Aaron Rodgers moves teams, it, yeah. it could be for anything. It's going to be one of the biggest trades in NFL history. But right. three-team trade be – Pretty especially this especially this late in the offseason like you're getting into otas at this point mm-hmm. exactly but i honestly the ceiling might be i mean there's 17 games i think the ceiling i mean they finished 10-6 last year with not nearly as good of a roster i mean it was good roster but they added a lot of solid pieces so i think the ceiling 14 and I'd put the floor at – I mean, they don't lose more games than they did last year, so I'd put it at like – I don't eight. know. Last year felt like a fluke season to me. I don't know what it was. It just didn't feel like – like games that they won. A like lot the of it was game. on the defense. A lot and, of it. And also, 
you don't, I mean, you have percent now, but you don't, you can't keep doing this with Tua. You can't make him play all game. And then when you feel like you got a chance to win, you can't pull him. Like you can't, right. they, I, I was extremely critical when they were doing that last year because a, that kills his confidence. It, you know, takes away from meaningful experience that he could have. And you don't know what you're going to get. If you continue to put the guy in that, you know what you're going to get, but he's not your long-term answer. If you keep putting him in, in those situations, you're never going to let Tua grow. Right. And, the only way that this team is going to win is if Tua grows. Yeah, agreed. And it's like this uh, this team still has a lot to go. Like, obviously, you got the young QB. They're only going to get better as the seasons go on. But in order to do that, you got to let him figure it out, you know? Like, when Haskins was, like, actually still a decent quarterback prospect, I was like, just let him play. Like, let him figure it out. Like, I don't care how bad we are. Like, don't take him out. Just let him figure it out. And we did that. And he figured out that he sucked. So that's a win. <laughs> At least we knew. You know, maybe they do that with Tua. That's true. I hope so. <laughs> with that, let's move on to the most successful team in the division. And that is the Buffalo Bills. They finished 13-3 and three this past year. They ended up losing to KC in the AFC Championship game. But an historic year out of Buffalo. You let, it was one of the most exciting teams to watch. You got a lot of liked faces. You got Stefan, everybody loves. Like, you got Josh Allen, everybody loves. But let's get more into Josh Allen. 4,544 yards passing, fifth in the league. 37 touchdowns, fifth in the league. 10 interceptions. And if that wasn't enough, he finished with 102 carries, 40, 421 yards, and eight touchdowns as a running back. Do you think Josh Allen is a no-doubt franchise quarterback going forward? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Not, not a doubt in my mind. I think that – I mean, he's walking into the season as a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that he knows that they're his, he's their guy and they're going to – lock him up, and then just continue to build around him. No doubt in my mind. Yep. I don't think there's much debate there. But a lot of contribution from the receiving core to help Josh Allen with that MVP-ish campaign. Like, he was on pace to win MVP for a little bit. But obviously, a lot of that is due to his number one favorite target. Also, a Maryland Terrapin showing out in the league. It's a fun episode. Yeah, we do. That'd be lit. But – he finished with 127 catches, which is first in the league, 1,500 yards passing or receiving, which was also first in the league, and eight touchdowns. I mean, Stefan, I just can't believe, like, he was on the practice squad. Like, he was on the practice squad because of the injuries at Maryland, like I remember. But I remember Stefan being, like, everything. Like, that was such a big signing or for Maryland when he came in. And then we signed his brother, like, I – it's like such a throwback for me. And then I remember watching him, like, I think they played in the Hall of Fame game and he got some playing time yeah. and he showed a little promise. And now look at it, what he's doing. It's amazing. I love to see it. But also alongside Stefan, you got the vet, Cole Beasley, who had a pretty solid year. You can't doubt it. 82 catches, 967 yards and four touchdowns, which is amazing for a veteran player like Cole Beasley to do. Love to see it. But... Some of the critiques with Buffalo, they did have a struggling defense. 
They allowed the 16th most yards to offenses in 2020. And I mean, that's like the stats don't really tell the whole story. Like that's not really a great defense. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it like, obviously their secondary is very good. You've got Micah Hyde, you've got Jordan Poyer, you got Trey White, but it's the pass rush that they were just really lacking. They took Ed Oliver two years ago and he just hasn't panned out to be the player that they would have liked him to be, but they addressed that need in the draft. But so hopefully I think that defense, you know, continues to make strides forward because that secondary, like as far as talent goes, it's one of the best in the league. Like you can't deny that. So yeah. if they can just fix, fix the pass rush, they should, you know, be a good enough defense where that offense is so explosive to, you know, make a right. It does Yeah. Like you just need a pretty decent defense yeah. and that offense is going to carry like it did this year. So, but they had also another critique for the Buffalo Bills. They had some subpar running back play. And I say this with a lot of heat behind this. Cause I had Devin Singletary. I traded for him with Lake and he was getting a lot of usage and that's what I focused on. I was like, if they keep giving him the ball, he's going to do something like there's got to be a running back in Buffalo, but basically Josh Allen was the running back in Buffalo An interesting statistic for you. So if you take out Josh Allen's production on the ground, you take out his touchdowns and you take out his rushing, they totaled only 1,302 rushing yards, which is last in the league. They also finished with only eight touchdowns, which is last in the league, if you take out Josh Allen's rushing stats. So literally no running back game to speak of. Singletary, like I mentioned, very underwhelming. 156 carries, 687 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had Zach Moss there. 112 carries, 481 yards, and four touchdowns. And But like we were saying, y'all – they prove they don't really need a solid running back, you know, like they can do it without. It. I'm kind of surprised they didn't, you know, I, they went and signed, didn't they sign Brita? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't draft one too, just as like a, you know what, let's have a dart throw here in like the fifth round, something like that. But, you know, if they think Devin Singletary is their guy, he's good enough. It's you don't need a running game to win you games when you've got yeah. Josh Allen and that offense. But I think they're going to transition more definitely towards the end of the year. They like Zach Moss a lot more. Yeah. And he's a younger guy. So I I think it was there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to remember the dismal running back play in Buffalo, but I think they'll start giving the ball to Zach Moss more. I think Singletary is going to be a non-factor this coming year. So let's move on from the 2020 highlights and let's get into the off season. I mean, obviously, with a team at Buffalo's caliber, they're not going to make any huge splashes in the offseason. But they did bring in Emmanuel Sanders on a one-year, $6 million deal. He's still got something left. Like, he proved it last year. Like, and obviously, always been a well-respected receiver in the league. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a solid signing. It's like they lose John Brown, they sub in Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of drop-off there. Yeah. I agree. And they also brought in Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback out of Chicago. Obviously didn't pan out to what he was projected to be, but he signs a one-year $2.5 million deal to be the backup in Buffalo. 
So maybe if Jet, hopefully Josh Allen doesn't get injured, but <laughs> hopefully Josh Allen doesn't get injured. But if he does, Trubisky is the first guy to go to. And on the notable losses side, not really anything. You got Tyler Croft, Andre Roberts, John Brown, but not, I mean, there's not really a whole ton there. And in the draft, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of this, dude. Number 30 pick, Gregory, Gregory Rousseau. 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 There you Sweet. go. Yeah. But uh, played alongside the Javon Phillips, right? Jalen Phillips. Yep. You got Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips mixed up. It's a, I'm never good at draft prep. Like I never really pay attention to like the prospects until I was, I was really good at it this year because of how important the draft was for us. So I kind (laughs) of had no choice. Yeah. Sad. Even though every single mock had us picking the same player that we picked, but whatever. Still decided to do all the draft prep. What a fan. What a fan. But they signed Gregory Rousseau or draft him. Defensive end out of Miami. Mel Kuyper's second best defensive end. Obviously, it's going to provide some sort of help there. So yeah, he was he was one of the more hated on prospects in the draft. I, you know, slightly unfairly, but a lot of his tape that people were hating on was his freshman tape because he had you know the COVID opt out year. But he is a very very big dude. He's a power rusher, and you know people don't really understand that power rushers are in. Like that, everybody. There was a point where speed rushers were like what you kind of wanted to have, but power rushers are back because, you know, quarterbacks now, they're a little bit quicker. They can get around the tackles, whereas you get in a pocket pusher like Arusso is going to help you a little bit more. Um, but I like him a lot, and I think, I think he's going to take a little bit because he's not a dart throw at a first-round pick, but he's – Late first-rounder. Yeah, he's yeah. not exactly the most polished prospect, and – that front office, they did the same thing. I'm blanking on the GM's name, but he did the, you know, he was with Seattle and they would do the same kind of thing where, you know, you find a position of need, throw a dart at it, and, you know, hopefully it ends up hitting. And I think Rousseau will hit. I like Rousseau a lot. Solid. Solid. So with that, what do you think the Bills are going to do this year? Ceiling floor. Floor, I like with everyone healthy, obviously. Um, with everyone healthy, I can't see them doing much worse than like 12 wins. Yeah. Cause that, that roster is really good. Now they won 13. Obviously there's going to be some sort of regression out of Josh Allen. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what, that's exactly what I was just about to say. They won 13 games last year with a, like, you know, very, very, very good season from Josh Allen that surprised a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I feel like the expectations are a lot higher on him. Now the expectations are a lot higher for for the Bills, you know, you make an AFC championship run, people expect you to return to the AFC championship, if not go to the Super Bowl. Right. So, you know, will we see some pressure forcing them to crack a little bit? We'll see. I think they – the floor, 12 games, I'm pretty confident with that, especially with the extra game. Me too. The ceiling, though, it's – I mean, when your floor is 12 wins, you can't really go much higher in the ceiling, so I'd probably go 14 wins. I don't, I don't think they're going to win – 15 16 games like that's that's going to be tough especially when they won the division last year so they're going to get the they get the Chiefs I'm pretty sure yeah there's no way the only yeah we'd have to see a duplicate season and more 
from yeah. Josh Allen and Stefan, and that's just not realistic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think they're one of the, and everybody thinks it's pretty unanimous. They're going to compete for AFC Championship years to come. Yeah. So, I like it. Well, with that, I think that just about covers it. So, we mentioned that we're going to start getting pods out more frequently, and we kind of dropped the ball on that recently, but we're definitely going to start getting out pods quickly because we got to cover these divisions and the off season is quickly coming to a close. So we'll see you guys soon. Have a good one.